Bo Weevil was a little black bug, came from Mexico, they say, came all the way to Texas, just looking for a place to stay, just looking for a home, just looking for a home. The first time I saw Bo Weevil, he was sitting on the square. The next time that I saw him, he had his whole family there, just looking for a home. Just looking for a home. The farmer took Bo Weevil, put him on some red hot sand. Bo Weevil said, this is mighty hot, but I will take it like a man. This will be my home. Yes, this will be my home. The farmer took Bo Weevil, he put him on a cake of ice. The weevil said to the farmer, this is mighty cool and nice. This will be my home. This will be my home. Well, if anybody should ask you, who is singing this song? Say a sweet little woman from England, just looking for a home. Just looking for a home. Just looking for a home. I don't know if it's a black thing or if it's just a thing, but funny how we turn to scriptures when we need to see the bigger pictures, like the Bible is somehow going to explain why the old time sin thing come back again. And when we check it out, Lord, coronavirus comes from abroad. But once upon a time when we were coloured, we were treated like we were some kind of virus, the way some people are treating the Chinese, even though many of them are just as British as you or I or anybody else. They're treated like they are the virus. But what was written to the wise and foolish now revealed to the babe and suckling, it used to be just a question of trust, once upon a time when we were coloured and Christmas missed us. We wondered why, why do we get it in the eye when we're just trying to do our best to feed our families and bring up our children in the West, like the Bo Weevil, who was a little black bug, came from Mexico, they say, came all the way to Texas looking for a place to stay, looking for a home, just looking for a home. Just looking for a home. Just looking for a home. Just like so many of us came on the Windrush from Jamaica and elsewhere in the Caribbean to the United Kingdom, just looking for a place to stay. Just looking for a home. Just looking for a home. Just looking for a home. Well, the first time I saw the bow weevil, he was setting on the square. The next time that I saw him, he had his whole family there, just looking for a home, just looking for a home. The first time I saw bow weevil, he was sitting on the square. The next time that I saw him, he had his whole family there, just looking for a home. Just looking for a home. Just like many of us had to send for our family from back home to bring them to the United Kingdom where we had built up a home. 
just building up our homes, just building up our homes. But the farmer took the bow weevil and he put him on a cake of ice. Well, the bow weevil said to the farmer, this is mighty cool and nice. This will be my home. This will be my home. And they made it hard for us to stay in the UK. But this has been our home. This has been our home. And when the farmer took the bow weevil and he put him in the hot sand, the bow weevil said, this is mighty hot, but I'll take it like a man. This will be my home. This will be my home. Our mothers and fathers made this country their home for it to be our homes. No matter what we do and what's done to us, this will be our home. So how did we adapt? Well, let's go back to the very first act with the Queen of Lovers Rock, Carol Thompson. Carol, how did you or your parents or your parents' parents adapt when it was cold in England and then when it was hot for all sorts of reasons? My first winter, I can remember as a child um, standing in front of a paraffin heater and um, then realising that I had to go to the bathroom by myself. And the bathroom to me was like the North Pole because it was absolutely freezing. And I remember thinking, I've got to go to the bathroom. Do you remember how that was? And, of course I do. And just having to wait for the the steam to rise from the hot water um so yeah that's that's my that's my one of my very vivid memories of of this country of being been lying sitting in front of the the that paraffin heater and not wanting to move because i know that once i'd left the warmth of that room every single other place in the house was just like the north pole the landing was like the north pole the the bathroom was was you could see the icicles on the on the window. It was just, it, I, I remember that, I remember. I remember that as well. And like you say, the North Pole started in the hallway yes, for me. Yes, absolutely. Started in the hallway. <laughs> and if you open that door too long, for a moment too long, everybody else gathered around the paraffin heater yeah. or the single bar electric heater, <laughs> um, shouted, shut that door, shut, close the door. Because the draft, draft was came just in. so severe. It was severe and it was something that we might be used to or you might be used to because you were born in Britain. I was born here. So you should have been used to it. You never get used to it. No, if you were born here, you wouldn't know anything <laughs> different. It's different for me coming from Nigeria at the age of six and never, ever experiencing cold. Yeah, that must cold. have been really tough. Uh, a proper culture enough, shock. Funny enough, all I remember about that first winter mm. was snow. Okay. And sliding down in my moccasins, you know, there was a little bit of a downhill slope from our front door. Mm. And me and my elder brother just used it 
as you would the French Alps mm, mm. and we couldn't get enough of it. So I don't actually remember being cold outside the house. Right, right, right. You know, outside the house was yeah. our playground. Yes, yes, yes. But inside the house, it shows both the level of our poverty, obviously, mm, mm. but like I say, our English friends, our white friends, their houses were also cold. They mm. couldn't afford to put a shilling or two shillings in the electric meter mm. either. Mm. For those who are listening who are younger, they're probably wondering what on what earth was we're he talking, talking about? about. I know, I mean, it's, I, I mean, I must admit, after a few years, we were very privileged to get central heating. Central heat? You, yeah. you had central heating? Yeah, I did. You had central I did. For what age did you have central heating? I think I must have been about 10 or about you 12. Lie. Or something. Yeah, we well, had central We heating. didn't even have an electric blanket. <laughs> we didn't have an electric blanket, but we got... But electric blanket, you know, I do remember, heating. I remember getting central heating was, it was like a, it, it was like a liberation. It was, you know, it was amazing that you could, you, you had a house that was just warm. It was incredible. I so, can't but, believe you were so rich. <laughs> No, I'm serious. Well, because it feels like a privilege. It, I mean, it did compare to some of my friends and other family members who didn't get, who had had to wait a bit longer to get central heating. But yeah, I, we but, uh, never had ever it, had it. ever oh, had it. We had yeah. hot water bottles. That was right. our central heating. Well, I think the first thing we we got was an electric heater in the bathroom. Oh yes. Do you oh, remember yes. ones that used to just pull above the bath, bath and you pulled it with a the string? One that if it fell into the bath, a full <laughs> bath of water, you'd be electrocuted, well, no, I, it was like Jim Morrison was said, yeah, in Paris. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. not forget it's that. Not, it's not funny, but I remember that. I remember that was that That's was not allowed anymore. No, but I do remember the electric heater on the wall, and you, and you would your, literally stand in a bath full of water and pull the know, light thing. I know. Gosh, and the health and safety. I'm so glad that you're still here. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, did that heat the bathroom though? That little one bar. It did make a heater? difference. It made a difference, and, and psychologically, it made a difference as well. Mm. You know, you, you could just see, see the, the orange. Heat, you feel orange. Yeah, heat. you see it, and you feel that you, you know you're no longer in the Antarctic. Mm. But yeah, I, I do remember that. I do remember waking up in the mornings before we had central heating and the evaporation, you know, and the vapor from your breath, and it was just cold. You might as well be outside. The okay. house was as cold inside as it was outside. How did your parents take it? Because they came from elsewhere. And I, I remember vividly my stepmother, God bless her, mm. wonderful woman, right. in her low times would complain that she was dragged over to this cold country <laughs> to bring up... Yeah. To bring us up mm, as children. children. Mm. She was dragged over here to this cold country. Mm. So the the warmth of back home stayed with her. Yeah, absolutely. And particularly in winters yeah, when she it wondered it was hard. what on earth am I doing here? Yeah. Yeah. How about your parents? Yeah. How did they cope in those They they didn't like it at all. They never my I grew up most of my grandparents and they really felt it really found it very difficult didn't enjoy the winter at all because remember those in those days you had proper snow and you'd have to go out and get a spade and and dig yourself out of, from your front door do you remember i mean so I we remember. had proper winters and um, proper snow and you know. this was when we didn't have proper shoes we still no, had holes no. at the bottom of our shoes no. uh, with uh, you didn't no i <laughs> 
I'm listening never, to your story. Okay, because we had to put a bit of cardboard, <laughs> cardboard at the bottom on the sole of our shoes. Oh. Um, yeah. Just well, to my make parents, sure. my grandparents didn't enjoy it. They, my my grandmother in particular suffered really badly from chillblains, and I think it's because she used to What's get chillblains is when you you're really cold, and then you you might put your feet or your hands onto to a warm surface to get to get warm quickly, and and because of the the the, the, the capillaries would 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 dilate and and expand and and cause chillblains and they're like little corns and they're very like blisters and stuff like that. Very shock to the system. Yeah, and it would cause that. And she she was she she didn't enjoy the cold at all. Um, in particular, my my grandfather kind of moaned, but he he sort of just got on with it. My grandmother really found winters difficult. She didn't enjoy it, and um, that's why we got the central heating eventually. All, all the life savings went into the central heating because you just couldn't bear it any longer. But that was the difference between Caribbean families and African families. In what way? Well, first of all, Caribbean families invested in homes. Right. Invariably, African families in those days, mm. if we're talking about the 60s and the 70s, right. saw Britain as a temporary right. measure okay. that right. we're only here to fulfil invariably an education and, get and to out. go back home yeah, yeah. that's the way it was supposed to be right. but obviously so you, 50 you're in, years later you're, you're in transit it's yeah. not easy to get a phd as you know sometimes yeah. it takes 50 years <laughs> but still you've got the suitcase above the wardrobe ready, ready to, to go. go home yeah. at some point yeah. or other yeah but that that difference mm. meant as well that African families, certainly my family, yeah. never ever invested a penny right. in the, the home that, that we were living, living in. Yeah. Because, you know, why should they... Spend money to, to do something up that's not going to belong to them. Well, yeah, yeah. the landlord, yeah. you know, the landlord yeah. was going to... So you were at the mercy Mr. of someone... Mr. Aziz. Yeah, at the mercy of some unscrupulous landlords well, didn't no, care. Well, no, Mr. Aziz wasn't unscrupulous. He was a good landlord. Well, the interesting thing with Mr. Aziz, mm. he understood the psychology Right. The tenant. So we lived in a bedsit. Right. Or at this point, we lived in two rooms yep. downstairs mm. in a two story house. Okay. And when these English people, white mm. people, so we were the black family downstairs, he was the Asian landlord. Right. And a white family were coming to look at the flat above. Yes. And this was in the days when, you know, you begged people to come and rent your properties okay, not like right. now yeah, where there's a whole line right, of people right, right. so what mr aziz used to do and this was in the holidays so we were home okay during the time when people would come and look at the flat above okay, right. his white family came mm. what he did was he bought us a packet of biscuits so my parents were at work right we were downstairs. You right. come through the entrance, yeah. and there's like a corridor, yeah, a communal yeah, corridor, yeah, and then yeah. we've got two rooms off the corridor. Okay, okay. Yeah, I get you. so he bought us a packet. I think they were Jaffa cakes. It probably, <laughs> you know, Jaffa cakes were like yeah, caviar absolutely. to us in those days. And he biscuits. said, "Right, here are these biscuits. What you've got to do is stay in your room. Don't come out. Don't come out." <sighs> and I don't think it was because. We were black because obviously that would manifest itself at some point. But 
the tenants probably were more concerned about oh there are lots of children yeah, too much noise there, too much yeah. noise yeah. exactly yeah, yeah, you, you yeah. know what young black yeah. boys are like yeah. so mr aziz was actually quite astute right and it did the trick because they the barrys in. the yeah. barrys yeah the family called them barrys moved upstairs yeah. yeah well my grandfather bought his house as soon as he could when he got here when he arrived in the 50s he lived with um i had an uncle who was in the raf and um, he managed to get a home. And then we all lived in that house. And then everybody saved up and eventually everybody managed to buy their own property. Also, my grandfather had made some money himself um, working on the ships in Cuba and America. So he came here with money um, So and, and a lot of ideas and a great entrepreneurial spirit. So um, he had every intention of owning his own home. And through working hard, saving, doing partner as a community, you know, the partner system worked. We didn't know the partner system, actually. Africans didn't know. I've only learned about the partner system in the last 30 or 40 right. years. Well, that was the system they used. But why didn't you tell us about it? Why did you keep it to yourself? Why did the Caribbean <laughs> no, You know, the Caribbean, it, it was so weird, wasn't it, Dotton, that the Caribbean and the African community were so separate um, in, in back in those days. There, there, was, there was, I think, the, uh, in between Africans, th those coming from the African continent and those coming from the Caribbean, uh, what was in between were probably Greeks and Asians. You know, it was weird. It was just very strange, we, you know, due to, um, brainwashing and colonialism Caribbeans had a sense that, that you know that they weren't African that's why we owe it all to the Rasta man and in particular Bob Marley who said look you know Oh, on Peter Tosh, you yeah. said no matter where you, you come, come from, from, you're an African. As long as you're a black, black man, man, you're, you're an, an African. African. If yeah. you're plexion high, high, high. If you're plexion low, 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 you're an African. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we're Africans. Shall I sing it or do you want to sing it? No, we're not singing today. We're actually having a conversation. Yeah, but we will sing at some point. <laughs> I don't know. One of us will. Well, maybe you can sing today. It'll either be me or you. Yeah, let's see Are what you happens. sure about this? Well, I think you've been improving slowly, haven't you? <laughs> I think you're having a laugh back. <laughs> Don't worry about a thing cause every little thing is gonna be alright singing don't worry about a thing cause every little thing is gonna be alright rise up this morning rise with the morning sun three little birds pitch by my doorstep Singing sweet songs of melodies pure and true. Singing, this is my message to you. Singing, don't worry about a thing. Because every little thing is going to be all right. Singing, don't you worry about a thing cause every little thing is gonna be alright okay but what I'm really interested in mm. is the idea of adaptation yeah 
how you adapt to a new environment. Yeah, yeah. So, for example, everybody's talking about the coronavirus mm, at the moment. Yeah, God. And the coronavirus has this ability to adapt. Mm, mm, mm. And I'm wondering whether we can use the coronavirus as a metaphor, right? A metaphor, <laughs> right? To how we as black people mm. or Africans yep. coming from the Caribbean and Africa yep. have adapted in this United Kingdom yeah. over the years, not just in our parents' and grandparents' days, mm -hmm. but over the years. Right. And the metaphor right. stems from the idea of this boll weevil, oh, right. yeah, which yeah, was an insect that. Yes, yeah. that destroyed the cotton yes. plants. Yep, yep. And the farmer, who I suppose was a metaphor for, for the state, for the, for the, for the, system, host, yeah, the system, and, yeah. and for the white bucky massa, yep, if yep. you like, mm. uh, tried to put him in hostile environments, whether mm. it was in very cold environments or very hot environments. Mm, mm. And the boll weevil somehow... Still have survived. Survived. Right. And not only survived, said to the farmer, look, this is hot, but don't worry, I'll take it like a man. In fact, I'll invite my whole family to come <laughs> over here and take it like a man as well. Right. Which, you know, if you look at it, it does mirror the journey of black Britain in this country. But mm. how did we mm. adapt to not just the climate... But the other aspects of a hostile environment that we yeah, this, faced. Yeah, it, it has always been very hostile, hasn't it? It's never been welcome in this environment, you know. Um, it's always been very difficult. But we did adapt. We did adapt. It was it was very difficult because it was not the environment we were used to, and it wasn't the environment that we thought we were coming to. Majority of us, we kind of maybe from the Caribbean perspective. Then I think the. We felt we were coming to the mother country, so we didn't. But we you didn't, because you were born here, but so was, you didn't have to adapt. Then did you? What did you have you, to but adapt? You still, to? I think what I had to adapt to was the fact that you re the realization that the the playing field was not even, and the realization that um, all the things that my grandparents were saying to me and my parents were saying to me about work harder, just to be as good as and. For, you know, you kind of when you're born here, you have a, a false sense of of security that this is you're born here. You've got British citizenship. You're, you're all the kids at your school. You're all taught the same. You're all in the same class. You're all going through the system together. But even within the school system, you know, you had racist teachers who would show their racism. How did you know though? Because you you were thinking that you. Yeah, you, know, you wouldn't have understood racism if you just thought you were part of the No, but you do you start body. you realise. You you know, I think you can really? see, yeah, you do. You, At the age you, of what? I think I I don't think I recognised true racism until I was at senior school. I think up and when I was at junior school I didn't really notice it. I didn't notice I, I wasn't aware of of what I wasn't aware. Did it exist though? On reflection, did it exist it did, it at did. junior school? It did. At it, junior you know, school, I think it did. You know, things that things they say to you and play, like what? touch your hair and yeah, but you that's know. not racism. Yeah, but isn't no, that no, 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 it's curiosity, it? but it's and also I'm trying to think. It's of, disrespectful. It's but, disrespectful, but no, there's certain things that they would say. Um, it will come back to me, but you know, I remember the other day I was I was talking to a couple of girlfriends about it and. Um, you know, they'd, 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 they'd say little things and you'd think, 
when you look back, you think, wow, is that how they how they thought that you weren't capable? How they? Who's they? We're talking the about teachers, the teachers, because all the teachers, the teachers are white. I didn't have any black teachers. Right. I don't know about you in London, but no, remember I was in Hertfordshire. No, no, no. I didn't, you didn't have a black any, teacher right. was when so I was I didn't have school. any black teachers. But, but I didn't think that I didn't have any black teachers. You know, it hadn't become an issue at that point. Mm. And mm. the adaptation that I remember coming from overseas was actually adapting to how the system works over here amongst children. Right. So, for example, we had to adapt the way we spoke. Okay. So I remember very clearly my first sort of, um, you know, standing up in the class to tell the class how I'd spent my summer. And I just mm. arrived mm. in London right. in the middle of September. Right. And so I imagine I had a very... Nigerian accent at the time and nobody laughed no nobody laughed over that but I think within a few months I was talking like Mm, my and that was conscious or did you think that as as a young child as a young child you probably would have just do it don't you see like you even though I was in London right not in leafy (laughs) Hertfordshire I wasn't actually in the ghetto of London at that point right and I went to school with there might have been one other black person right. or two other black yeah. people, but it was essentially me and my mm. brother. So mm. all our friends were white. Right. And eventually you get to start adapting. For example, that they had birthday parties. Yes. Yeah. I don't think we had birthday, birthday parties. parties as such. Yeah. You know, we had a birthday mm. and my when we were in Nigeria and my and I've seen this photographs of my younger brother, mm. um, his birthday in Nigeria and that my grandmother would get everybody together to sing happy birthday and there'd be a cake and then they'd take some pictures. Right. Okay. And that was it. Yeah. Like that's your birthday. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's not But inviting, you mean like a party like you know, where you, you'd all have your school friends. Yeah, you have cucumber no, like the like they'd have cucumber invite, sandwiches no, and marmite sandwiches no, no, no. and, and ham sandwiches. Inviting all your little, school little, friends, little, little all sausages. your classmates <laughs> and they weren't bringing presents to yeah, you. Yeah, presents and, and blind man's buff yeah, and all of that kind of stuff, yeah. musical chairs and yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I actually didn't get to the party that I was invited to because um I remember my father gave me money to buy a Batman kind of um, head thing for the English guy whose party I was going to but um, I couldn't find the address and my father you know at the age of six he lets you you go off to the party (laughs) and you know they must have given the descriptions Mm. but at six you don't know how to write or read descriptions you know and so I was asking people and people would say yeah go down there and then turn left and turn right and it didn't make any sense to me so I wandered around for about three hours and then came home to tell my father it had been a great party and I had to sort of hide the Batman mask somewhere and uh, (laughs) yeah it was terrible it was terrible but the thing is I was a Adapting. The point I'm making is right. I was adapting slowly. Right. Yeah. I was in a completely foreign... Remember, mm. one day you're mm. in Lagos, Nigeria. Yeah, that's a big... The I next mean, for day you, you're in London. Huge. Yeah, mean, exactly. For you, you so for, for, for my parents and my grandparents, it was huge. It was... Uh, they were constantly just trying to work out what, you know, trying not to step on toes. I would hear my grandmother adapting when she was on the phone to try and put on this kind of speaky-spoky English accent, which is really hilarious. Um, Whereas people could totally understand her anyway without that. But she felt that to adapt to become more English, then she'd have to try and speak a bit more like the Queen, I suppose. (laughs) So, you know, she put on this telephone accent um, and voice and... I'd find it hilarious, but 
she was she spoke she was articulate she spoke well anyway so she was adapting in that sense and um yeah i think that they they had little things that they would they were constantly you know i don't think it was like the major adaptation was i get adaptation was the climate was was a major thing but then after that the other thing very small subtle things they had to understand the the, the british psyche their humor the food, um, the food. You know, they were not involved in the food at all. They weren't involved in what? They never let you eat fish and chips. Friday, sometimes we'd have fish and chips. You see, my, parents, my parents never ever but, allowed know, us to eat. But fish they and wouldn't. Chips. They wouldn't go out and buy fish and chips on a Friday because yeah, okay. my grandfather says he didn't like the, the fact that you're wrapping up food in newspaper. It right? wasn't even that for you us. Know? It was like you're spending sixpence. Right. There whereas you, go. you know you, you could, could have you that sixpence something, and, yeah, exactly. buy something and put it in the cupboard. The, the I wonder though, like. The coronavirus, and and I'm sorry to bring that metaphor back what, the into the conversation. Thing. Yeah, the yeah. virus, because it's all around us, as right. we know. Yeah. And the boll weevil. Right. The interesting thing about those two things is mm. that the coronavirus seems to have adapted wherever it goes. You, it goes. Yeah. Apart, possibly. From the Caribbean and, and, and Africa. Africa. Yeah. Because viruses do not adapt in hot, hot climates, climates usually yeah? they don't survive they like mm. the cold yes. that's where they breed yes. they don't survive in hot climates mm. the boll weevil survives wherever you put it yeah it's incredible and yeah. i'm wondering whether well i know that the we're more like the boll weevil in a mm. way <laughs> than the coronavirus having said that Having said that, right, right. I wonder how different our adaptation would have been if we'd gone and colonized a different country. Like, for example, there were people from the Caribbean right. who went to the United States. Yes. Whether they adapted more easily or it was more difficult for their adaptation. I know members of your family went to the yeah, United did. States. Yeah. Whereas I went to Sweden right. in the north of you know the north yeah, of Europe, Europe. Yeah. where it was so cold oh, crazy i don't know if if you know your family had come from the caribbean and my family had come from africa in the 1960s mm, and gone to somewhere like sweden or russia or something i don't know if they'd still be there now if they would have been able to adapt to the extent that they'd still be there I now think so. I remember because there's, there's people that moved to canada you know, from the Caribbean and from Africa, and and it's it's you know going close like Quebec and all those places where it's freezing, and they're still there, and there's communities there. But so how I, have you they know, adapted? But it's also Quebec. Maybe they've learned French, French as well. But yeah. most of the people have gone to places like, like Toronto, Toronto. Yeah, which where is they freezing. speak English, yeah. because the adaptation is in the language. Remember, in Sweden, you're going to have to learn another language, uh, which yeah. hardly anybody yeah. else in the world speaks. True. Yeah. So the but adaptation. How did you find it then? Well, I was a carefree teenager, teenager and right. I was there to study. So you're always one step removed from that. Mm. Initially, the way I adapted, you could argue, was by being very British, not being African, right. even though there were African refugees there. Right. It's almost kind of like I looked at it and thought, hang on, I don't want to be seen as a refugee. refugee right. I don't want to be beholden right. 
right. to the Swedish people. Right. Like, I'm so lucky to be in your country. Yeah, you have something to offer. Yeah, and, you're and, coming and fully loaded. You've been so kind, kind to give me refuge, to assist me, yeah. etc. Right. I wanted people to know that no, I don't have to be here. I'm here. I don't have choice. to be through here. choice exactly right. yeah, yeah. Or, or, or through a mission yeah. of getting a degree or whatever I'm, right. I don't well want... that's you're slightly different but right. it, no but it is an adaptation yes it because is. you see even our parents and grandparents mm. when they came to this country did they not have to think hang on the way mm. that I'm perceived right. by these people mm. in England the indigenous people is important so I don't want them mm. to feel as if I'm either a second-class citizen mm. or I should be grateful to be here. Actually, I come from a place which is just as good yeah. as here, mm. if not better. Well, that yeah. is part of the adaptation part you're making. Adapt- yeah, it's true. I mean, our, my, par- my grandparents came, like many others, dressed to impress when they stepped overdressed. off, overdressed or whatever, they came in their most their most fine clothes, best clothes, like the Supremes. <laughs> exactly right. They came here, Dotton, not with their begging bowl. They came here ready to work, ready to like your father and like you, many of your family, other family members. They were thinking about going back as well. They came to make a mark, make some money, change their lives. And go back. I mean, the whole idea was never to stay here forever, you know. But then, ten years pass. You have a children. Ten years, and then, or five years go. Another five years go, and before you know, you look back, and it's been fifteen years you've been in England. So, you know, their little five-year plans or seven-year plans turned into fourteen years, and then those fourteen years turned into twenty. You know, twenty-four. But they must have adapted all along the way. All the, at lo- some all point, the time. And some, but some uh, of the when I tried the point I was going to come trying to make was that. That some of the 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 the, the adapt, adaptations were very subtle, and some were were huge. But these adaptations were happening all the time. Every day you were adapting, you were changing. Some of our family members actually shrunk. They became very small, and you know, trying to fit in, trying not to be too loud, trying not to be too conspicuous. Some of them actually shrunk as individuals. So they were adapting, and sometimes not in a positive way. And some things were positive. Some adaptations, you know, adaptations were positive, but actually they were forever adapting. But actually, I think the psychological adaptations mm. are much more profound because at some point, at some point, our parents, certainly my parents and yours too, had to adapt to the realisation that this will be their home, that they're not... Going anytime going back, soon. Anytime soon. Well, essentially, even if they return, as your parents did do. Yeah, they did. But they're mm. still very British. They're returning as returned residents. Yes, yes. And they're returning as uh, essentially um, foreigners in yeah, their own yeah. country. Yeah, that's you know? true. That's a true yeah. statement. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder how they adapted to that realisation that, hang on, I remember it happened with my uncle. Mm, in what way? That my other uncle in Nigeria said, oh, my uncle who had lived in this country, he came here to study at university when he was about 20 years old and has lived in Britain all his life. I think he's only ever been back to Nigeria once during that mm. time, if once. Yeah, I think once during that time um, to bury my grandmother, mm. his mother. Mm. 
And my uncle in Nigeria is saying he can never come back to Nigeria. To live permanently. Because even though he was brought up there, born and brought up, lived to the age of 20, he's completely British now. Right. He could never, never, never wow. survive in, in, in Nigeria. Nigeria. No, no. It's, it's not the same place as it was when he was a no, kid. No, no, exactly. But at some point, he must have realised that. He's different. He's, he's yeah. changed. And I wonder how you adapt. What, what you do, it's important, actually, for anybody listening, it's important to know the... Um, the trajectory of trying to come to terms with, with these huge... With who you've become. Yeah, and how you adapt to that realisation, both mm. physically, but I think more profoundly, as I say, Well, the funny thing you say that, because a lot of the returnees that went back to Jamaica, like my, 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 my family, my parents, my grandparents and my parents, and they um, invariably found themselves in communities of others who had lived in the UK. Um, because some of them came over f at 16, tw in their 20s. So they spent a good 25, 30 years in the UK. And so their experiences had have been different. So th funnily enough, they found each other and or they, they'd know each other from here, from the UK, and they'd all make their plans together to go back to you know, different areas in Jamaica where they would know each other and still be with each other because they have a commonality that they didn't, they no longer share with, with the Jamaicans who have never left Jamaica. And you'd find that, I'd find the little communities would be filled with people from the UK and people from America. Um, and they see they feel different and they're viewed different from the Jamaicans who have always lived in Jamaica so they become sort of like subcultures within their own home within their own country we can talk about this over and, and having over to again. adapt as well well we're going to adapt again we're going to the Caribbean we're going to have to adapt and maybe return to this subject at another time meanwhile I'm going to wash my hands right me not too. of you, not, not of you. Oh, I'm, I'm so not going to wash my hands of you. I thought, oh, well, if I done? Come on, I'm going to wash my hands um, because we have to do that now with the coronavirus yes, that keeps do. adapting left, right and, and centre. Yep. And we'll pay a little bit of a tribute to the boll weevil who right. maybe can show us how we can survive. You know, the <laughs> Well, no, the way that he dealt with the farmer shows us how we can survive wherever we are, whether it's Britain or yeah. anywhere else. Well, as humans, our, we have to adapt, don't we? We have to constantly our stories, be adapted. It's these stories. Yeah, yeah, it's these oral histories of how our parents and our parents' parents and mm. we yeah. adapted that are vital for the now generation Absolutely. to see what they need to do. Mm. Now, I can't wait to hear which song you're going to leave us with. You just call out my name And you know wherever I am I'll come running to see you again Oh, winter, spring, summer or fall You just call out my name And you know wherever I am I'll come running 
to see you again Cause winter, spring, summer or fall All you got to do is call And I'll be there, yes I will Cause you've got a friend Cause you've got a friend